0: The United States is becoming more globalized and the field of mental health is struggling to keep up. Minority groups face countless obstacles in accessing mental health. And when they are able to access services, they're often met with a therapist who doesn't understand their culture, be it a language or values or other intangible aspects of their life experience. People prefer psychotherapists who are familiar with their racial and ethnic culture and values. Asian patients stay longer with Asian therapists And with 90% of mental health professionals identifying as non-Hispanic Caucasian, Asian Americans use mental health professionals uh, at about one-third the rate of Caucasians and African Americans at about one-half. As a college that's training and preparing the next generation of mental health professionals to care for and support diverse populations, we feel it our responsibility to bring solutions to mental health challenges. Recently, we hosted a conference titled Integrative and Holistic Approaches to Mental Health Care for Asians. The event brought together students, faculty, and practitioners to discuss the barriers that exist within the Asian community, Asian American community, and surrounding access to treatment. During today's podcast, I'll speak with Dr. Jean Lau Chin, professor at Delphi University in New York. We're lucky enough to have Dr. Chin give the closing address at the conference I mentioned. And our discussion will elaborate on the important insight she made about the need for cultural competency in our increasingly global and interconnected world. Dr. Chin was the first Asian-American psychologist to be licensed in Massachusetts and has has been the first female or Asian-American in a number of leadership roles throughout her career. She currently serves on the APA, American Psychological Association, Board of Directors and is chair of the council leadership team and she's received many awards for her leadership and her work. I'm excited to have Dr. Chin as a guest on today's podcast, where we'll discuss Asian American mental health, the integration of behavioral and mental health, and how these topics relate to the overarching need for increased awareness surrounding the cultural competency in healthcare and mental health. That's a very long introduction (laughs) uh, of a person who's been a colleague and a friend of mine for many years. So thank you for being here uh, to talk with us. Uh, tell us, a, maybe we start with, tell us a little bit about your the conference that happened this weekend, what your impressions were of that, and what the intentions were in that mm-hmm.
1: conference. Yeah, hey, I'm delighted to be here, and I think the conference was really terrific. It uh, was inaugural for your, your uh, Asian Mental Health Program, right. and I think the title captures much of what you intend to do that is reflective of some of the emphases within Asian culture, which is integrative and holistic approaches mm-hmm. to mental health with Asian Americans, and very much uh, reflects some of the things that haven't really been considered you know, uh, within that domain. So. Yes.
0: so I was impressed in looking at the presenters and the outline of the conference there was something on meditation. There was an opportunity to bring in dance. There were uh, there was art around in the space for people to look at. Um, is that the kind of thing when you think about holistic approaches to mental health uh, that we're thinking about? So alternatives to talking therapy or additions to yeah. talking therapy. I think
1: it's. I think it reflects the. Uh, the, the, the symbolism and intent with that are multiple levels. And I think when you talk about holistic, you can talk about multiple aspects of what that means. And one aspect that I think I made as a point in the conference is uh, I think it's great bringing in all the dance and all of that because that reflects really the connection with community, both in practice as well as in who you engage. Mm-hmm. But uh, one point I made which really speaks to the evolution of where uh, in the US uh, we have come is the focus on alternative medicine. Mm-hmm. And I think I made the point that uh, it's time to stop calling it alternative medicine, mm-hmm. but really as another approach you know, that can work in complementary uh, ways with uh, Western medicine and Western approaches.
0: So the first speaker that I heard that day made a big point of talking about presenting with Buddhist uh, priests Mm. and bringing in meditation and uh, some of the metaphors of Buddhism as people were approaching some of the uh, personal as well as organizational challenges that people experience. Uh, do you see that as different from what happens in traditional U.S. Anglo mental health
1: care? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think when I was uh, uh, back twenty or thirty years ago, with practicing Hindu, the these approaches were not done. If you look at what is considered traditional. Uh, gold standard practices, you never did things like that. Those Mm -hmm. were considered unacceptable, taboo, or quote, alternative, and Mm -hmm. so on. But I think in the early days, when we were talking about Asian mental health, there were colleagues, across the country that we worked with who did do stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, and it, they were considered real innovative and it wasn't considered real practice, mm-hmm. you know, so that I think to, the, I think that's where the conference really has come a long way mm-hmm. in demonstrating that this is a, a good practice, you know, and it is something that can result in a more integrative and holistic way of looking at practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I
0: felt it when I was sitting yeah. there, I it. The, it. Are there principles of Asian mental health? So we're talking about Asian mental health like it's one defined group of folks, and we know very well it's, it's a gigantic part of the world, and it's a very complex group of folks from many societies and many languages. Are, are there psychological principles or styles or uh, practices that would define asian mental health is there a body of research that supports intervention mm-hmm. in some way that we should know about
1: yeah. well that's actually a very complex question thank you <laughs> <laughs> because the early aspects of mental health there was really not such a phenomenon or concept about mental health and Uh, people like Arthur Kleinman, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, really first introduced, say, mental health in China, but the emphasis was on research rather than practice. Mm -hmm. And the emphasis was much more on, uh, also like in Japan, where I had a program in Japan, and it was really more of an importing of Western methods into Japanese, society, mental health, mm-hmm. rather than the, uh, quote, more Asian approaches. There were uh, aspects of Asian approaches, which I think are now coming into being. And I can give you two examples you know, of that. One is if you look at Confucianism and Taoism, mm-hmm. Confucianism being more philosophical and Taoism being more of a religion, they really bring in aspects of Asian thinking and approaches that have very strong mental health applications. Such as what? Uh, Within Taoism, that's the early emphasis on uh, equity, on equality, and uh, it it includes a more feminist approach to looking at such things as healing and leadership and so on. Uh, So I have a, quote, a Taoist metaphor of what leadership is all about that essentially talks, it's it's not my doing, it's uh, uh, someone by the name of Li who talks about leadership is like water and that uh, has five elements, which is it's humble because it always flows, gravitates to the bottom. It is uh, altruistic because it's necessary and essential for life. It is... Um, it's um, hum, uh, humane, you know, and, uh, and it has strength, soft but strong because it can mold mountains as it flows. So these kinds of concepts are very different from you know, some of the other emphasis that we have on leadership, but also how we look at notions of hierarchy. Mm-hmm. The opposite or balance to that is the Confucian philosophy, which is very hierarchical, an emphasis on order, emphasis on harmony, emphasis on relationships, but in a dominant, um, uh, not in the negative ways, you know, of uh, the alpha male, masculine types of ways, but of a dominant, more paternal type of mould. And those two contrast very much within Asian cultures, you know, as two opposing kind of forces, but very much along the yin and yang concept. Mm-hmm. We are the opposing, but they're complementary.
0: And so is there one at the moment more dominant in practice? That well, I seeing, think what,
1: uh, was, what happened was that because mental health and therapy came from more of a Western tradition mm-hmm. of imposing on that, a lot of it mirrored that. Because I know when I was... Uh, I went to Japan, and we had a program from there, from uh, Alliant when I was dean there, is they wanted to learn what Westerners did, in contrast to what i say is more culturally competent in terms of how to you know, uh, bring in what's relevant to the culture. That's shifting now. Sure. So I think now there's a recognition of the more indigenous um, therapies, and focus on bringing in the worldview and these concepts, like I've just described, into therapeutic practice and leadership and so on, mm-hmm. uh, and not simply adopting sort of a more Western mold. And I think that's the evolution. And I think it's that recognition that there are differences, there are contrasts, and the relevance is when you recognize that into how you practice and so on. So the the molds of treatment are becoming more uh, specific to Asian you know cultures, and these are the populations now working with.
0: And is there a reason for that? so the first seems like it's traditional European colonialism, yeah. right? It's it's why that works. So the other side of why that works is countries will say, well, we value. That model, and we want to embrace that model because that's what works in some way. That's what makes America wealthy and great. We want to right. be like America. Right, right. What do you think is happening that there is the, the, the beginning of that shift, especially around mental health?
1: Yeah, see, I think that's where the whole issue of context is because uh, I say I talk about how culture matters, yes. but also context matters. And I think when we look at our current social context, you know, it uh, I characterize it as uh, global and diverse in you know this century, 21st century, and that's what's made for the shift. Mm-hmm. Is because if you look at earlier models, whether it's therapy or leadership, and I reference leadership because that's where I do a lot of work on, mm-hmm. is that it was really countries uh, wanting to adopt the Western uh, thinking and mold, because that was presumed to be the best. Mm -hmm. You know, and what, as countries, and as our culture, society shift, and countries are beginning to say, wait a minute, you know, we want more of recognition of our voice and our uh, roles in there. We see then therapy and uh, and leadership things begin to shift towards a recognition of these different molds Mm -hmm. that are now more relevant, and they're beginning to, they begin to realize that some of the things had to be adapted, had to be modified, or they wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. You know, and we see that clearly in terms of therapy, where until and that was what was true in the conference, where until you begin to Change the language. Sometimes it's a matter of if you speak the language in a way that the the client or patient doesn't understand because it doesn't fit their worldview, doesn't mm-hmm. fit their values, mm-hmm. they're not gonna get it and they're not gonna it's not gonna be effective. Mm-hmm. But if you can tie into that, then they're more, uh, you have better outcomes, you know, all around. And I think that's what we're beginning to see happen. And it does mirror the, the general social context mm. that people are beginning to realize that uh, we are in a more global and, uh, and diverse context. Yes. So on some levels, the
0: uh, opportunity to help somebody encounter their genuine self uh, and avoid looking to something else, another country, another tradition, something that seems better than in some way, but to look at what is personal and valuable and unique. It's kind of basic humanistic psychology, right? It's a way of looking at the real person and letting them emerge. So that would be something we could teach all our students to do well. Are there other things that we should be teaching our students to be yeah. able to be a better resource for Asian yeah. people?
1: Because um, that's where I was going to respond, yes or no, yes. because yes, there's a part that we need to do that. But one of the things I talked about was the notion of what is the view of the self? Mm. And if you look at Asian cultures as being more collectivistic in nature, and Western culture, American culture, being more individualistic in nature, mm-hmm. one of the uh, uh, one of the the issues in how you manifest is to look at the self. Mm-hmm. You know, and we know self is very prominent in a lot of the the theories about uh, therapy, about psychology, and so on. And the the specific concept that I've used is the notion of the. Uh, Uh, basically the relational self and the individual self, Mm -hmm. or the referential and indexical self, Mm -hmm. in which one is more individualistic and one is more relational. Now, many Westerners clearly understand the individual self, Mm -hmm. the self as a center, the self as a definer, and so on and so forth. But it's harder for westerners to then understand the more relational self in which concepts like selflessness you know which is true in yoga and meditation and all gets viewed more negatively by a western perspective as being how could you not have a self you know but that's not the absence of self It's the state of being selfless. Mm -hmm. And it's the looking at self in relationship to one's context. Mm -hmm. So when you take concepts like dependency, uh, you take concepts like defining self, that the Asian or more collective concept would be defining oneself in relationship to others. Mm -hmm. It's not a dependency of others, it's not that I see myself only because I see myself through you. It's right. rather I see myself as relationship to you as sister, father, brother, and mm-hmm. all that. And that has a very different meaning, you know from the perspective and Asian perspective, because mm-hmm. it's not dependency, It's that interdependency that's really important. Mm-hmm. But Westerners often mm-hmm. fail to understand that. They right. see the self as important. And then it it marginalizes and pathologizes the interdependent self as being uh, you don't have a self or you're too dependent or all of those kinds of things. So it's
0: a step beyond people like Irving Goffman and the social psychology folks that say you are highly influenced by the people that you're in relationship with. Mm -hmm. And sometimes... uh, you're a father, sometimes you're a son, sometimes you're a brother, sometimes you're a worker, sometimes you're the boss, sometimes you're the employee, and all of those influence yourself in mm-hmm. some real way. But there's also an opportunity in the Asian tradition to abandon an awareness of that mm-hmm. and to be mindful of a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. You're right, a lot of Western people would think that that's pathological <laughs> as opposed to inspirational uh, in some way. So, learning how to embrace all of those pieces uh, are important. Uh, the 90 10 uh, place, we, we think a lot about that here because we're 90% non Latino Caucasian in psychology. We're getting a, a shade different. We might be 89% now, but we're still pretty much uh, uh, non Latino Caucasian. But the research is like that, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so psychological research, highly European from its principal investigators and its language and its constructs and its probably its findings as well. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what we know scientifically and where the limitations are to research and what some of your research has been yeah. attempting to yeah. do with Let that? Let
1: me speak about that from the standpoint of the privilege and how we uh, dominate our, how, how we create knowledge and, and, and knowledge base, whereby we do privilege a Western domain of creating knowledge. And our research methods and our knowledge base are based on those messages, so that therefore, when uh, that happens, then it marginalizes the other perspectives, because they're not dominant. So that one of the things I talk about is, and I learned that while I was in Australia, in terms of uh, uh, looking at unlearning. You know, what Mm -hmm. we accept as truths, which is what our research says, what is the truth? What is the best knowledge, evidence, and so on? That we need to examine that from the standpoint of what are the biases in our lens of looking at those truths as being the only truths. Mm-hmm. And that if we do that, do we have to unlearn some of the assumptions about what is the truth? You know, And the one specific example is that of using uh, randomized controlled studies as the gold standard for how do we look at Research and uh, uh, psychotherapy outcomes, because it doesn't take into consideration the nuances, the context, the populations, you know, to give a more inclusive and wider view. And in that sense, by doing that, we privilege not only the method, but we privilege what is considered the truth and the evidence about what works and and how that that's done mm-hmm. and i think that's the part i'm saying that we need to unlearn those kinds of things and recognize that qualitative methods and others can yield certain kinds of knowledge and truth that might be more effective in working with other populations and that's not just asian but in terms of more generally you know, more generally
0: and also the the question of how do we privilege the principal investigators who are largely Coming from one place in right, their right. Uh, in their history and their thinking. So here's a good opportunity to tell me we have five minutes left, so you have to come back again. Because <laughs> this I've left a lot on the table of things that we could talk about. But I don't want to miss you're running for president of the American Psychological Association. What why are you doing that? <laughs> why are you doing that? But I well, asked myself well, that same I'm question. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. But, Talk a little bit about what you'd like to accomplish and what you think your leadership in that space uh, could do.
1: Yeah, I've used several terms uh, about sort of how I see uh, why I'm running and and all. One is in terms of leadership for change. Is that to look at the fact that there are many things about our existing discipline and about our association that uh, one privileges certain ways of thinking, talking, you know, as I've described, governing, and so on. That does need to change if we are to be relevant to all groups, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, within our profession, and to really look at where psychology is going. Mm -hmm. So I focus on that as one. And on the second is what I term as integration amidst diversity is the emphasis on diversity, which is the recognition of difference and inclusion, and that's not only about populations, that's not only about whether we're talking about Latinos, blacks, Asians, and all, but also in terms of what uh, our different perspectives, you know, our dichotomizing of science and practice, you know, and I think the professional schools in many ways reflect, you know, some dimensions of that. and. Uh, Not, not in a bad way, but uh, and we don't have time to get into that. But, but the uh, but looking at the the kinds of dichotomies that we establish, rather than the ways in which we look at how to build the bridges towards that, and that that's what I mean about integration amidst diversity is that we need to bring in build bridges about those different perspectives to lead to solutions towards you know you know towards the the better good. Because if we look at society in terms of what is happening in our current society, outside of psychologists and APA, but in our country, that we see that polarizing more and looking at solutions that I think aren't always, in my biased view, in the best interest of. uh, And that's where I felt that by running for APA president and being uh, in a position to begin to guide that with input and relevance from all constituencies, mm-hmm. not just my own biased one, you know, is something that I think can help to both improve the discipline, improve the association, and improve what we want to, that what we say we want accomplished accomplish in terms of psychology, mm-hmm. you know, for society.
0: So you've been uh, an amazingly strong leader in- generous contributor that you were on the board here when that's first I think that may have been first how we met but at least yeah. it was a long enough time ago that it might have been <laughs> first how we, how we met uh, you've served as Dean you've been in spaces where you've influenced just probably thousands of leaders and providers and professionals in psychology uh, and, and very often, I know you've been, if not the only, you've been one of the very few. And you've risen to places where you've spoken your mind, you've helped us all to grow and to, and to develop. I'm hopeful that this comes to you. I can't say that publicly too much, but uh, I think you're a wonderfully uh, talented uh, psychologist and leader. And we're, I'm grateful that you volunteered for this, and I hope it works out. Mm-hmm. I hope it works out. So, thank you very much for joining us for this. Uh, anything that we haven't said that you want to say?
1: No, I think you've covered. No, you have. We have. We uh, have. We have covered <laughs> this. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay. Happy to
0: be Thank you for listening to this month's podcast. We hope that you enjoyed it and that you found it interesting. To listen and download future editions, please subscribe to our iTunes and SoundCloud channel. For more information about upcoming topics and guests, Please follow us on Twitter at WilliamJamesEDU and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash WilliamJamesEDU.